0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Generations Pastor Glenn Wolfe will be finishing at our series called, What is Your Shape? Through every area of our lives, we have an opportunity to respond to God. The Bible is full of examples of how to respond to Him. Through our finances, our worship, and even our marriages, we respond. Today, we'll discover that our life is simply an extravagant response. Our scripture text comes from Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled, The Extravagant Response.
1: And uh, if you're there at Romans chapter 12, I'd like to welcome all of our first-time guests. I know there are just a few. Can we give them just one more hand today? We love our first-time guests. Listen, you know, sometimes we've been Christian for too long, maybe not too long, that kind of sounds bad, but we, we, when, sometimes when we're Christian long enough, we forget what it is to be a first timer. Like, we forget what it is. It is not easy to walk into church. You remember the first time you walked into church? It's not easy. And so, for all of our first timers who are here, we are so proud of you that you came today. We're so glad that you're here. We're honored that you're here. We're praying that, that this would be your church, just as Keith said earlier. And uh, we're just, we accept you exactly where you are. We pray God's best for you. Also, I have another uh, special guest with me. My, uh, my grandfather is here. Uh, granddaddy, can you just kind of lift up your hand or something, granddaddy? Hey. And uh, I would not be here if he was not there. And so I'm so glad that he's here. And, then, uh, and you're here. Can, can I just give you a hand? You're here. Okay, there you go. <laughs> And uh, Romans chapter 12, if you're there, can we just go ahead and stand for God's reading today? I just saw T.D. Jakes do it, and I think he's cool, so we're going to do it. And, uh, (laughs) man, it's going to be good this morning. I'm excited. Y'all are alive this morning. This is good. Hey, real quick, before we read this, I just want to give a little background. Uh, This is the book of Romans, and uh, so it comes out of the church at Rome. And uh, what we know about the background of Romans is that at the day of Pentecost, there was 120 that were in the upper room when God poured out His Spirit. Out of those 120, there was about a half a dozen to a dozen people that came and got together. Maybe some families, some young guys, whatever it was. They got together and they went off and they spread the gospel to different areas of the earth. Well, there was a group of about six to eight that went to Rome and started a church. And so that is how the book of Romans was started. That is, that is where we pick up. And Paul, the author of Romans, he loves Rome. But he never made it there. For whatever reason, he just he wasn't, after the road to Damascus, after Paul was converted by God, he wanted to make it to Rome, but he just was never able to do that. And so we pick up at a church, if you can understand the historical background of Romans, uh, Rome was a doctrinally strong church. They, they, were in the, they, they came from elders that were in the upper room. They knew what it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They knew what it was to have God's power. They saw healings. They saw miracles. They were doctrinally sound. They knew the old covenant. But they were missing one thing, and it, one key ingredient, and I could just wrap it into three words. If I could theme the whole book of Romans and what Paul was trying to preach to them is this, gospel of grace. That is what Paul was trying to tell them and you'll see how Paul just loved the book of Romans and he's sitting there and he's going he's if you read through it he's going I can't wait to see you guys I mean by faith he was just like I'm going to see you one time like we're going to get together and eat a bowl at least a bowl of Cheerios or something crazy like just you you cook the dinner I'm going to be there I promise you know and that's kind of where Paul was he's just sitting there going man I can't wait to be with you brothers and so we we pick up in Romans chapter twelve right here in verse one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna actually completely preach from verse one, but I'm gonna go ahead and read the rest of it because I just think it's good to read the Bible. Anybody with me? Anybody love your word? All right, all twelve of you. The Bible says this. Paul speaking, the gospel of grace. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For, for by the grace, everybody say grace. grace. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more, more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You know what that means? We're a big family here today. Uh, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Then I love this. It just keeps getting better, so we're just going to keep reading. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. I love this. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. And then he says, in fact, just bless and do not curse. You saw he just wrote that there. Rejoice with those who who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Then we move on to verse 21, and it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, we thank you, God, for your word today. I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for every family member that's represented through the families here. God, we pray that this Sunday morning, as we are in your house, that, God, we would really find you. And, uh, and Lord, I just pray today over this word that you would anoint me and, uh, and anoint our hearts to hear from you. And God, we give you all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I remember about three years ago, you may be seated, I was, uh, I was just graduated. Anybody graduated anything? And maybe it's high school, it's a tech degree, it's preschool. Man, you got to check out City Kids Academy preschool graduations. They are awesome and, and hilarious. And cute, all the same. It's like a good toy story movie, you know? It's just, it's just funny. And uh, I remember about, two, about three years ago, I graduated from a bachelor's in, in theology, and I just remember it, it, it made me think about, about graduation ceremonies. And the thing I hate about graduating ceremonies is the day before, you have to have this ungodly long practice. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you graduated by any, any type of big high school whatever, they spend a whole day practicing how to respond to the diploma. You notice that? So why, and why do they do that? You know why? Because they want to make sure that you respond properly, right? So you practice, you spend four hours watching everybody else, and you still mess it up, even though you had 400 attempts to look at it. And you walk up, and you you find the guy, and he's got a weird robe on or whatever, and so you kind of do the shake hand, you grab the diploma here, and you smile there, and you're like, you know, this week I was looking at YouTube videos of just people that have just like face planted at graduation ceremonies. It's funny. You should just do it this week if you get a chance. And uh, man, graduation ceremonies just cracked me up. And today I want to talk to you about how to respond to his grace. And let me just, let me just, let me just uh, wrap this sermon up very simple here. Today, right now, I'm basically, this is the graduation practice. And at the end of this altar, I'm just going to let you know right now, I'm going to have everybody in this room come to this front and we're going to respond to God's grace. I'm just ready. I man, first service was just incredible, and uh, man, we just came to the front, and I'm telling you, the people in this auditorium took this room to another level with God. I mean, it was just incredible how God re- how how that response happened. And I'm here to tell you, the key thought this morning is this: your life is a response. If you're writing anything down, write it on your neighbor, your friend, your child, whatever you'd like to. Just write down: my life is a response. I was thinking about the time I asked Natalie, my wife now, but she was my girlfriend, to marry me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've watched enough chick flicks in my life to at least kind of have this dream about how it should look, you know, like when I get on one knee. And so, but you know, the thing is, is that in the movies, they've always got like sweet music in the background. You know, it's just like, it's just pretty. It's just like, you know, it's like, I don't know, just. And so you think it's gonna be like that, you know, it's just, baby, you know. my girl you know whatever <laughs> and so you know and you think this, this whole thing because you, cause you hear the chick flicks and they got that going on and i couldn't and I, I technically i guess i could have grabbed a keyboard or whatever i could have just got my brother there and uh, you know and so we have this idea that like billy joel's in the background you know or whatever or barry white's just over there sipping some coffee and he's like hey girl <laughs> and uh and, and, you know, and, so I, and I remember I had this whole idea. And I had this whole, like, planned out thing. I was like, I'm going to say this. And we had, like, I put rose petals everywhere. And we had, like, this little interest thing or whatever. And uh, and finally, I get down on one knee. And just all you hear is, like, the AC just crank, nank, 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 you know. <laughs> and it just, you know, it's just, and that's, and, you know, you never practice. I never, we never practiced the response. It wasn't like I was like, hey, Natalie, next Thursday, I'm going to get down on one knee and, and ask you to marry me. Can we practice tonight? Like, could we? Can we work that out? Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, that's the way it is. And so, and thank God that my wife responded. (laughs) I'm serious. And uh, but can I tell you this? And and just receive this. This is so simple. Our marriage is here because of two things. Number one, because I, I asked her. I know this is so simple, but I initiated it. In other words, if I never initiated it, it wouldn't have happened. But the second thing that happened is my wife responded. And that response to that moment turned into a wedding day. That wedding day response turned into a marriage. And that marriage is going to take us into eternity. And I'm here to tell you when it comes to your relationship with Christ, you're only as good as your response. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God initiated everything. Let me explain very quickly. There was nothing in Genesis, and God spoke nothing into existence. He initiated, he, he, he started life as we know it. Then all of a sudden, he created Adam and Eve. They messed up. It was all Eve's fault. All the men say amen, all right? Yes! And, uh, and so Adam and Eve happened or whatever. And, so, and then they sinned. And then, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was wickedness. And what did God do? He responded by wiping the earth and having the ark and Noah's ark. And then, then God's people were, got back on the straight and narrow, and they're doing better. And then all of a sudden, wickedness happens. And if I could sum the whole Old Testament up into basically what happens over and over again is God's people... They fail, they get wicked, they, they have idolatry, they don't worship the king of kings, they worship everything else, and then God responds by sending them a prophet or a judge. And then we find ourselves finally where God says, okay, this isn't working very well, I'm going to send my son in response to the sin of humanity. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God's grace has showed up in the building today. The fact that you are still living means God is not done with you. The fact that you are still living means God's grace has initiated, It started its engines, it's already in fourth or fifth gear, and it is coming straight for you this morning. How will you respond? And we find chapter 12 and Paul teaching us how to respond. And I'm here to tell you that the way that you respond dictates a lot of things. The way you respond to the cross and the gospel and Jesus Christ dictates whether you go to heaven, and it dictates whether you go to hell. And even if you go to heaven, it'll dictate what type of treasures you have in heaven. It'll dictate what type of house you have. It will dictate certain rewards. Read it in your word. Our worship this morning was a response to God. In other words, you got to understand, God initiated this worship service before you ever showed up him dying on the cross. When God sent his son and Jesus died on the cross for you, that was the moment that he initiated the worship that you just brought to him tonight. And you know what I love about when you read his word and you understand the power of response is this, is that this is what happens. God initiates the worship and now we sit here in the third or fourth row, the fourth row right here. How you doing? Who's preaching right now? I don't even know what's going on. Okay. Oh, me. Um, and uh, and so, you, you, so you stand up, and so, you know, and so you're, about to, you're about to start worshiping. You know what? At that moment, you respond to God on the cross. and You say, God, we worship you, Lord. We thank you, God, for the cross. Lord, I thank you, Lord. You haven't given up on me. Lord, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to love on you. And You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says that his word is not void, which means this. The moment that we begin to respond to what he already started, right, all of a sudden, he inhabits the praises. All of a sudden, his presence falls in the room. Then you know what happens. Then you have the opportunity to respond to his presence. And then all of a sudden, now, now, we're in, now, we're in a, now, now the enemy's getting nervous because now we're in a deadly cycle of God showing up and the enemy having to flee. Because God's presence just keeps coming. And so what happens is then, is then we, have, we, we see in James where it says, draw unto me and I will draw unto you. So then this is what this tells me is that okay, God initiated it. Follow me. God initiated it. Now we are in response. We respond. He, he, he falls even more. We respond to that. He gets crazy because we keep responding. So then he, he falls even more and all of a sudden God's presence is in such a real way in the room. All of a sudden, there's an atmosphere of faith, and you, you feel led in the middle of a, of a service, even right now, and you feel led to come into the altar and just give your heart to Jesus, or you feel led that, you, or, you, you, or you, turn, you, you turn to your neighbor, you say, hey, I believe right now. If you lay hands on me, I'm about to be healed. There's an atmosphere of faith when God's presence shows up in the room, because we are learning how to respond. So we find in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we find Paul being a good pastor and teaching this church about grace. You know, this Bible is a giant tool on how to respond. That's it. We look in the Old Testament You say, what does the Old Testament have to do with me responding? Well, we get, we get to see illustrations and stories about people that responded correctly and people that responded incorrectly. And we can learn from their mistakes. And we can learn from what they did right. And then we see in the New Testament where God's grace and he, and, 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 and he, he fills the room and Jesus Christ comes. And then we learn how to have a new covenant where, where the veil has been torn and we don't have to go and kill a lamb just to get right with God. We can just build an altar right where we are. In fact, the Bible says that we are living sacrifices. In other words, we are continually an altar call walking, if I could put it that way. And so we find here in verse 1, Paul says this, he says, I urge you, this urge comes from the Greek word, meaning counsel, exhort, encouragement. Paul is pleading with the church of Romans, and he's saying this, he's saying, I urge you today, and can I just, can I exhort this? This is like the heart of a pastor. I urge every single person today to respond to God's grace he says, I urge you. Then he says to go, and then he goes on and he says this. He says, in view of God's mercy. What is he talking about there? Let me just take a second and let me, let me explain Romans chapter, Romans to you. When Paul wrote Romans in any of the writings, there was never chapters, right? Except maybe the book of Psalms. There were Psalms that were written. And technically, the book of Psalms is not a book. It's actually 150 Psalms, which are different books that all compile to be one book, but we just call it Psalms. Okay. Anyway, that was, that was free. Okay. And so we find here in Romans chapter 12, there wasn't chapters. In other words, Paul wasn't like, okay, chapter 11's done, period. Hey, let's go get some drinks, you know, whatever. No, that wasn't it at all. He's like, he just, he writes a letter to the Romans and we have have split them up into chapters that works for us. You get what I'm saying? You get that? So when we get to this place where, where, where Paul says, I urge you, and then he says, in view of God's mercy, you've got to understand that this is chapter 12. There was already been 11 chapters. And Paul starts out there, and the whole theme is grace. He get, you see in, in Romans chapter 4, he talks about Abraham was justified by faith. But his faith were, were followed by his actions. And your righteousness is only as far as your actions. And so you can't have faith without actions, and it has to go both ways. But all you really need is faith, but you can't have faith without actions. That's basically what he said. You should read it. It's kind of tongue-tying. And so, and, and then he moves on. And then you get to, like, Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8 talks about, it says, neither debt nor height nor nor principalities. Nothing can shape us. Nothing can shake us from God's love. It's what he says in Romans chapter 8. He also says in Romans chapter 8 that if you're filled with the Spirit, with speaking in tongues, that at any point you can go to that prayer language and you can pray the will of the Father. And you know that if you have a heavenly language, you are always able to pray the will of God at any moment with that gift and that's just incredible. Then he moves on, and then you see in chapter 9, 10, and 11, and he talks about, he talks about, um, he talks about Israel, and he talks about the Old Covenant, and then he, he works in the New Covenant about how the Old Covenant was about law, but the New Covenant is about grace. But Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. In other words, there is both. There's law and there's grace. Do you, we're, we're getting that. And all of a sudden, he gets to a place where in Romans chapter 11, there's a doxology that he uses, and he says these words. He says, Israel is going to come back to God. What does that mean to us today? That means that God is coming back for his people. That means that Sanford is not finished yet. That means that your family member that doesn't know God, it's only a matter of time before they come to Jesus Christ. It means that God is in the room and he's in this city and he's not finished. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. And so now we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And now we got an idea of he's saying, guys, I urge you today. God's not done with this city. And in view of God's mercy, we talk about God's mercy, we understand God's faithfulness. He sent His Son. His Son died on the cross so that, you can have, so that you can be saved, so that you can be set free, so that you can be set free from addiction. He says, in view of God's extravagant grace, then He says this, same verse, verse 1. He says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. What in the world does that mean? I have this shelf of life here. And Paul is teaching us where he says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. This is our response. The reason why I read all of chapter 12 right there for you is because did you not notice all of those things I ever read about love one another and hope and keep your fervor and keep serving the Lord. That's, that's presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. But this is what happens, and, and I find this all the time. It seems, like, it seems like we have this idea that we can make God in our image instead of make God in his image. And so what we do is that, is that we, we, we have this shelf of life, and so this is what happens. We have, we have the job, and so this represents a job. Okay, just stay with me. All right? Anybody got a stapler at your job? Okay. All 12 of you. Awesome. Gosh, such a bad illustration right there, man couldn't even connect with over 10 whatever okay and so you have your job and so you're trying to do what's right and you're trying to be you're trying to to get a raise and you're trying to keep your job and you're trying to do things right and so that's a part of your life stay with me this is going to change your life i'm telling you and so you have that and then you've got family and so one of my leaders in the front made me this family and um it's not my family, but it's okay. And so you have family. And so you can just put your pictures in here. And so you have your family. And so you're just trying to do what's right. You're trying to, you know, be there for your kids and, and, and love your wife and, and whatever. And so you got those priorities there. And then and then you also have, uh, oh, here we go. we got money. You're trying to keep as much of it as you can, right? That's the goal, right? To get as much, and to keep as much. And so, and we never quite have enough, right? We always just need a little bit more, right? And, uh, and so you have money, and so you're trying to be right. And so, you know, um, I said, my phone, just chill out, okay? It's not even real. So just, he tried to steal it for a service, and I'm like, go ahead, man. And, uh, and so we, we have money there, and then, and then we have this phone just kind of represents maybe relationships and Facebook and Twitter or whatever and uh and so you know we're trying to keep our relationships going and hang out with friends and keep that thing going and this mic this has nothing to do with anything and uh, oh and then we we have this beer and uh bush i don't know um and so it's so uh this kind of just represents maybe alcohol or or, or cigarettes or, or or maybe painkillers or some type of addiction that that, that we might have and, and so and so that that's kind of in the mix and that's part of life and we like to have beers on friday night or whatever and then oh man this i love this i love this it's this so good All right, here we go. And uh, this is retirement. (laughs) I'm so ready for this, man. I just can't wait, you know? And uh, and so we're planning our retirement and we're working out our 401ks or whatever you got. And uh, so you're putting away this much money every every week or year or month or whatever. And so you're trying to work out retirement. Oh, and then we also have this. Isn't there like a remote somewhere? I, I did have a remote earlier. This is going to officially, oh, there it is, and I got this remote, and this kind of represents entertainment, so we got to have fun, and we want to go watch the latest movie, and go hang out at Disney, or whatever you do for entertainment, or you play Jenga, or whatever, I don't know what you do, and, uh, and so that, that's kind of on the shelf of life, and then all of a sudden, this is what happens, we give our heart to God, we have a a moment just like this today, and maybe, and just, man, if you don't, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this is your day, I'll just say that real quick. And so this is what happens. We have God and God shows up and we have an encounter with him and we're marked by him in his spirit. And this is, what, this is what we do and this is wrong. We come and we say, oh God, thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lay you on my shelf. And all of a sudden, after just a few weeks, and now, now you look back and you're like, okay, I've got family and I've got relationships, I've got my job, I've got I've got entertainment, I've got my money, I've got I've got alcohol, I've got, and then and then I've got I've got Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today it's the wrong response. I'm here to tell you today Paul would be yelling at us if he was here today. How dare us not give him us? How dare us not give him worship? In other words, God is not, is not someone that we just add to our life. The Bible says in Colossians that when we give our heart to Jesus, the old is gone and the new is come. And you know, what, you know what the right response is? Is okay, all right, God, I'm giving you everything. Lord, I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice. Lord, uh, actually, let me just, let me take this down real quick, God, and, and let me just kind of lay this here, and, and you, you, can, you can actually, you know what, God, it's yours. Like, you're the sinner. I'm just gonna put you here. This is your shelf, okay, Lord? I'm gonna take everything else off. And, then, and, now, and now this is the right response. Okay, God, what do you want to do in my job? I lay this down to you today. You're the shelf, and I'm gonna lay my job on you and then we read his word and he says work as unto the lord use your job as a ministry and then then we have we have family and and the bible says you know now 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 instead of just family separate and family is what we do on friday and saturday and then kind of maybe if we want to go to church or whatever no, no no god you can have my family lord what would you like to do in my marriage you know what the bible says in ephesians 5 It says, Husbands, lay down your life for your wife. Just as Christ laid down his life for your children. But wives, it also says in the same chapter, it says, Submit to your husbands, submit to your man of God. Respect him, honor him. And so we have that say this real quick. The Bible's very clear. If you're not married today, do not have sex. Do not live together. Purify the marriage bed. Keep it pure. The Bible says that in 1 Thessalonians. If you're you're not married today, keep yourself pure. And already you can start honoring your future spouse. And then we get to money. And this is so you just think about God's grace giving 10% and giving an offering and spending 40 bucks for a kid to come to Panorama conference so that his life will ever be changed seems so small and we have this idea and so so you, we take our money and normally we want to keep that somewhere else but no no but God's the shelf and so what he says he says, just like what, what Key said in Malachi, he says he only requires 10%. Now here's the deal. This is how you know whether you're law or whether you're grace. Because a lot of us can get frustrated and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe he requires 10%. But if you would understand that everything is God's, don't, don't forget in Genesis, there was nothing that he created. What that means is that And the Bible talks about this, but the money, all the treasures in the world are all God's. And you know what? The the grace is that God only requires 10% and he lets you have 90%. And he says, if you do this, I'm gonna pour out my blessing even more on you. How are we gonna respond to our finances? We have relationships. and The Bible even talks about it in Romans chapter 12. It says honor and respect, show hospitality, extend grace to your friends. And the retirement we have that and that can go back on the shelf and and, and the bible says in matthew it says this it says seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I am not here to tell you not to not to plan for retirement. I'm not here to tell you not to have an IRA or not to have a Roth or whatever you're doing or 401k or whatever you got. You need to do all of that but in the midst of all of that we need to keep priorities first and we need to say God I'm going to seek first your kingdom before I'm going to seek first anything else. God that tithe check is going to go in that offering bucket before anything else is because this is my extravagant response because God you are not not just something I put on my shelf, but God, you are a shelf that I'm gonna put everything else on. I don't know what in the world that was all about. That's it's good. Just amen. I'm telling you that God is a shelf. This is our response to Him. And then the Bible goes on to say this. Here, let me just let me let me say one more thing. I hear this all the time. Because either we're full of law or we're full of grace. It's Normally we can't be both, and we can. Well, brother preacher, I can't tithe this week because you don't know what I'm going through. But God's grace. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. No. We're wrong. Can I explain to you very quickly how grace works? Grace is extended to those that respond. You know, what, you know what I'm challenging you to do today? Just respond in every one of these areas. I'm not telling you to, to completely have a 180, complete life change, and if you can, that's awesome. Some of you, your money is so tied up that it's hard and you want to give, but you just haven't been able to do it. You know what? You need to make a decision today. I have these tithes and offerings up here, up here just as buckets. And when we come to the end, if you even want to respond today, and just say, you know what, God, I'm going to respond with an extravagant response and I'm going to declare today by faith I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to be blessed. I want to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto me. But I hear this, man. Oh, it's just God's grace. Do not abuse God's grace. You know know how you can know? You know the Bible talks about Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had 10 plagues. You know how you can tell whether you're law or grace? Because it seems like we can't be both. When you look at that story, do you see God's wrath coming upon Pharaoh? What I see is God's grace giving him 10 opportunities to respond. We have this idea. and And then on the flip side, we... We get too law-driven, and so we can't see God's grace. But on the flip side, we can be so grace-driven that we forget the law. And you know what? And and the grace people say this. They're like, man, thank God for God's grace. Uh, You know, I can't tithe right now. Thank God that he will never get angry. Thank God that he will never do that. Thank God that he will never be a judger. Thank God for his grace. You know what the Bible says in James? First of all, that's completely unbiblical. The Bible does not say anywhere that God does will we'll never get angry. You know what the Bible says? It says he's slow to anger. That means he will anger. But there is grace in the midst. And then we find ourselves in this last portion of verse 1. I know you're with me today. And he says these words. He says, this is your reasonable service. I urge you today, City Church, 10 o'clock service, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of service. Let me tell you in Glenn language this is the least we can do. Your Christian life this morning is not by obligation, it's by response. I can feel the weight of religion in this room even right now, and God is going to break that off of us as we respond to There are some of you right now, you are dry and weary. There might even be some staff members of this church, you are dry and weary. You show up to services and it's all by obligation. You feel like, man, I just, oh, I got to go to another service. Maybe you're on the worship team today and you have to stay for three services and you think it's an obligation. That's the wrong response. I wanted to share two responses as we close today. There was this Muslim kid. I heard this story this week, and there was an AG, Assemblies of God missionary, that spoke in a Muslim nation. There was 500 young people there. It was a high school, and he he he, he gave the message of grace. He talked about Jesus. He talked about the cross. He talked about salvation. And he said, if you want to receive the, this gospel, if you want to receive Jesus Christ into your heart, he said, I want you to just stand your feet. He didn't know what to expect. Never been in this country before. And 500 out of 500 kids stood in their And he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit right at that moment. He said, you know what? He said, I want you to sit back down, everybody in this room. He said, let me tell you really what you're about to do. He said, being in this nation... He said your family is going to disown you he said if you accept christ today your family is going to disown you if you accept christ today you are going to endure hardship and persecution for the rest of your life he said now understanding that how many of you want to stand to your feet and accept this christ and 400 kids stood back from the front to the back kids were just crying there was a young young man in the front. He couldn't have been taller than five feet, probably 120 pounds, and he raised his hand. and Normally, the speaker would never a- answer to anybody, but he just felt led to it. So this young man was at the front. He said, "He said, sir, so I have a question. So, so you're telling me that if I accept this Jesus Christ into my life, that that I'm gonna that I'm gonna go uh, that I'm gonna be persecuted?" He said, "Yes." I'm. He said, "I'm sorry. I have one more question today, sir." Um, so you're saying that if I give my life to him, that I will have eternity in heaven. I'll live with in heaven with him forever? He said, Yes, sir, that's what I'm telling him. He said, Sir, I'm sorry, I just have one more question I need to make sure today. He said, So you're telling me that this Jesus, who is perfect, died for my sins. He laid down his life for me. So what you're telling me? He said, yes. He was he stood. He sat down just for a second, and then he goes. Stands back up, and he says, if this Christ will lay down his life for me, then I will respond by laying down my life. Extravagant Everybody in this room, we just have a few more minutes. I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to find a place in this front. Leaders, if we need to push back some seats, whatever we need to do, I want you to at least get out of your seat somewhere. Just move from where you are today. Keep this just a moment here. One more story for you. Pile in as much as you can to the front. Come on. We're going to respond as a family today. I ask you today, where are you at? With your shelf of life, how have you responded up until this moment? And then I, I, I was thinking about this and I heard the story this week and I just had to share it. Matthew chapter 26, there's this woman that had an extravagant response to the gospel. The Bible says this, while Jesus was hanging out in Bethany, At a home of a man named Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. It's said that this alabaster jar is worth about a year's salary. It's basically like a retirement plan for her. And she, she began to pour it on his head as he was reclining at that table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant and they said, why this waste? Who is this woman walking in here like this? Do you not know that we're the disciples? Do you not understand? They said this perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money could have been given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus told them, he said this, he said, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. He says, I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel of grace is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory. I'm telling you right now from this, when you give an extravagant response, not only does he not figure out, not only does he not find, it or forsake it or forget it, but no one else will. Remember.
0: Thanks for listening to this message, The Extravagant Response, with Generations Pastor Glenn Wolf. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.